Hello my loves, I'm Carly Deering and this is Tea with Kings and Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting performers from the world of drag, burlesque and cabaret. In today's episode, I speak to the phenomenal drag king, cosplayer and storyteller Baron LeVay. Baron is a Newcastle-based performer who has spent lockdown creating incredible digital drag performances, cosplay looks, viral TikTok videos, as well as the Harry Potter fan podcast, The Drag Malfoys. I was thrilled to spend time with Baron, and in our wonderful chat, we discuss handling social media, separating the art from the artist, and what it was like to start out as a drag king 14 years ago. Enjoy. Today we're talking to Newcastle's premier drag king, cosplayer, storyteller, the glamdrogynous Instagoth, Baron LeVay. Hello. Hi, hello. Thanks for coming to chat to me. It's lovely to see your face and hear your lovely voice again. Oh, that's very kind. Um, How are you doing? So where are we going now? Like we're nearly at May the 17th, which in the UK is supposed to be where we come officially out of lockdown. Mm. um how are you feeling I've been reading about something called re-entry anxiety where people are worried about going back into the world I'm certainly feeling it definitely I mean I've been back at work for well just over a month I think when um non-essential shops reopened my muggle job is uh, in a beauty hall so um I went back to work just over a month ago and that was that was definitely an anxiety moment um but it's been a bit easier this time around than it was the last time because I mean what this is lockdown three we're coming out yeah. of now, isn't it <laughs> so um after lockdown two I think was a bit more um I was a bit more anxious than I was this time around yeah what what was it like going back to your job presumably it was suddenly very busy with lots of people around you I mean actually this time around it hasn't been too bad um because uh, a competition had a massive sale on, so we haven't actually had that many customers. That's great. <laughs> okay. Um, which isn't great for, for obviously um, keeping myself motivated at work, but uh, it has been a nice ease back into it. Good. How have you coped this last year? What have been your strategies, apart from producing loads of drag? <laughs> or maybe that has been the main thing. I think that has been the main thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been about keeping myself creative and keeping myself busy. Um, I mean, first lockdown, my wife was also off work as well. Um, she works within education. So that was when the, the schools and colleges um, all shut down. But since second lockdown, she's been back at work. So I've been in the house lonely. <laughs> um, but it's not too dissimilar. I, I work part time anyway, so um, I'm, I'm used to having lots of time to myself um, and I've just filled it with with creative stuff, making things, creating cosplays and, and, and new drag content um, and walking the dog. Excellent. So where do we start with your drag content? Because your digital drag has been fantastic. What's it been like switching your craft to online? It was so nerve-wracking to begin with. Um, we've essentially had to learn to to become music video producers yeah. as as well as drag artists, which is um, such a huge um, uptake in, in work. Um, I don't think people realise how much work goes into creating a, a, a semi-professional looking digital drag performance. Um, and it's definitely been a steep learning curve, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed learning new new ways to improve my craft as well. Um, and I've really enjoyed playing with things that I wouldn't be able to do on stage, having more than one character in a performance and, and different shots and things. So that's been really cool. Well, one particular performance I'd like to talk about is your um, Jack Sparrow breaking the law um because oh. obviously that's that's fun that you wouldn't be able to do on stage because you're on location first off yeah um, if- I love I love performing as Jack Sparrow anyway I've done Jack Sparrow on stage a few times um but that digital drag performance is probably one of my favorites that I've done over the entirety of lockdown because yes I was on the beach in public <laughs> <laughs> what was it like putting that together um 
Well, I had um, Ivy and Frida Safik um, come with me to help me film. Um, and on the day that we chose to go, it was it, it would seem that it was a really good day for surfing um, because there were about 40 local surfers um, <laughs> on the stretch of beach that I was on. It's great because like, when you watch it, it's just you and you think, oh, you must have got it on a quiet day. Mm. We just had to keep turning around, depending on where the surfers were behind <laughs> us. Um, I Did mean, it was a miserable it? day. <laughs> uh, they, they watched a, a fair amount. <laughs> so you had an audience then, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely different to the rest of the digital drag yeah. recently, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I love it because it's just so full of humour. Um, I mean, it's on your um, Instagram anyway, isn't it? If, if people haven't seen it, then go over there and check yeah. it out. I think it's been blocked in several countries, but yeah. Okay. The magic of Instagram there. Uh, of course, yes. How have you coped then? Well, you had an audience that day, but how have you coped otherwise just performing without that audience response? It's been weird. It's been very, I mean, to quote the, the goddess that is Lady Gaga, um, <laughs> I live for the applause and not hearing it physically or seeing it physically has been difficult. Yeah. Um, I've had to learn to, I think, I think Richard Energy said in his podcast, he had to learn how to create humor through the editing. Um, and yeah, 100% that because you can't rely on the fact that you can hear the, the the laughter of the audience so you've got to trust your instincts and create the humor through the editing and that's that's been difficult definitely so do you think it's changed your drag your approach to drag oh a million percent a million percent i mean i always did character-based drag anyway um <clears throat> if i wasn't a generic barren look i was in character as essentially cosplaying in drag um but I think that's stepped up again um, through the digital drag and through the TikTok the cosplay on TikTok. I've definitely changed um, my approach to how I perform and what I perform. What's your experience with TikTok been like? I've seen a lot of performers using this year as a, an excuse to experiment with it. I've loved it. There's been some awful, awful things. Um, I... I had to turn my uh, duets to mutuals only after I got a tirade of transphobic abuse. Um, mostly by children, I'm going to say that. Um, but it, one video, two videos, they're, they're enough. Like, and I, I'm I'm quite hard skinned. I can, I can cope with that. But uh, six or seven within the space of about seven or eight hours was mm. was a lot to cope with so I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna step back and only my mutuals can can duet me um which has been a, a massive um improvement on my mental health I think because a lot of the time it was quite nerve-wracking when you saw that someone had created a duet with you you were like oh are they going to mock me or are they going to actually take it seriously do something fun with it um but knowing that only the people that I follow myself can duet me has been a massive um, improvement on that I was going to ask you about your relationship with social media now because obviously it's been so key for performers over the last year but as you say you're getting an audience that you may not expect and may be harmful and toxic how have you dealt with that um so I have all of my notifications turned to silent for everything <laughs> Because when I started um, getting a bigger following on TikTok and therefore that reach happening on the Instagram as well, mm. um, I was like, I need to, I was starting to get anxious about notifications all of the time. So I've turned everything on silent. So whenever you've messaged me and I've taken hours to respond, it's because I've just not opened an app. Because <laughs> I'm just like, no, I can't cope with it. Um, I but, think that's healthier anyway. Oh, absolutely. But I think um, social media has been absolutely amazing. I have developed relationships with um, other drag artists that I wouldn't have um, without it. Uh, mm -hmm. Dandy Issues has become one of my closest friends um, over lockdown. Um, absolutely love the bones of him. Um, 
and I've worked with drag artists that I would never have been able to work with before. Um, before lockdown, I always had a goals list every year um, of what I wanted to do in drag. Um, and just before we went into lockdown, I was like, oh, well, I've got all of these goals. I want to perform at this place. I want to do this. I want to host this. Um, and obviously all of that was scrapped because I, I was not able to, to complete any of those things um, in that year. However, I did bigger, better things that I not put on that list at all. Um, I was able to do essentially shows in America because I did digital shows um, based in America. Um, I was able to work with drag artists that I had never even considered that I would be able to work with. Rue girls, never even considered the fact that I could possibly work with, with a Rue girl. Um, so I think it's <laughs> social media has been absolutely incredible and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen you had you have some quite harsh criticism sometimes. I mean, the, from trolls, obviously, you have mm. a lot of fans, but particularly I saw in your Captain Jane way, you know, you get harsh responses sometimes for the uh, kind of sci-fi stuff you do or some of the characters that you pick. That's pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, Janeway, I love doing Janeway. I don't do her often um, mm. because I tend not to do many female characters, but... Um, when I do do Janeway, I generally hit straight male nerd TikTok with her. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> what I was about to say. <laughs> and the level of mansplaining is just, I, I had someone tell me that I should have been wearing Vulcan ears and I was like, but Janeway's not a Vulcan, like, why would I be doing that? And it, it was it was just a lot of mansplaining and um, really patronizing comments you did this really well thanks dude like <laughs> cool I could see it with like a thumbs up pat on the back do you get that response when you're doing cosplay at cons um I've not done a con okay um hopefully we'll be able to get to do a con this year because my, my cosplay was always based around my drag and I didn't really mm. see them as the same thing yeah. until this year and I realized it was exactly the same thing that's interesting um would that kind of put you off doing cons though after that response I know I spoke to Zach of all trades because um Zach enjoys cosplay too and I think a, an apprehension of theirs had always been kind of sometimes the male attention i think because i i would never do a con as a female character um i would always be more comfortable comfortable as a male character i don't think i would be as concerned mm. um the characters that i do are very and i say very they're, they're quite niche i think sometimes um but i think things like my my captain hook cosplay there's no fandom for that like yeah. there is no fandom for Captain Hook so yeah. I get away with it quite well um because people understand the story of Peter Pan but there is not like a a really toxic fandom or fa like fan base around it yeah um whereas things like Harry Potter um often have a really toxic fan base yeah let's talk about that so I've been listening to your brilliant new podcast uh, the Drag Malfoys, which mm. everyone can check out on YouTube. You go deep, deep into <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us a bit about that. What inspired you to do it? Um, so Ivy and I were, um, just before lockdown, um, we were at um, our local drag competition, um, Drag Idol. And... Um, we were chatting about about cosplay because we both we were, were not super close at the time. We were just like, oh, yeah, we both like nerdy things. Oh, we both like Harry Potter. Should we do the Malfoys but in drag? So that's why we, we started Drag Malfoy on TikTok, which started initially with some um, abuse from people because they were like, the Malfoys don't wear that much makeup. Lucius doesn't wear that much makeup. Right. But people started to get it um, and understand what we were doing. Um, and it grew to be quite a, a substantial little following um, of our specific drag Malfoy characters. Um, because we don't do it canon. 
there is nothing canon about what we do. Um, but I think to a point, most of the fandom doesn't stick to canon anymore anyway, because who wants to? We don't like Joanne. She's not welcome in the fandom. She no longer owns the fandom. She might own the franchise, but she doesn't own the fandom. Um, we This is part of... JK Rowling is part of the reason I haven't cosplayed um, from Harry Potter in four months um, because she she's she's made it difficult for us. Um, this is my question for you actually how you separating the art from the artist. Yeah it's it's hard and it for a while I was able to do that um, but her comments just kept coming and kept getting worse and yeah. then there were other other people affiliated with with the franchise who were also agreeing with with her comments um and i i will not stop loving harry potter as as a story because it's a story about love and acceptance and becoming who you really are um she however has morphed that into something else um the majority of the fandom don't believe that that JK should be part of that anymore. Mm. But it is difficult to separate it, definitely. I think it's quite powerful to see what the fans have done and to make it their own. Um, and I think that's what the Drag Malfoys does. You know, you take that concept that you love and then you're making it into something different. Absolutely, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Let's be fair. The Malfoys, if they were real people, they would have been swingers, a hundred percent. Absolutely. I think it's it's taking those characters and creating something that you resonate with as well. And I think that goes for all cosplays. Um, you you don't cosplay a character unless you um, you relate to them in some way. What's been your favourite thing about doing the Drag Malfoys? Um, <laughs> it was probably, um, we used to celebrate every time we hit a mile, milestone with the Drag Malfoy hashtag on TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, so like we did a 100,000 live stream. We then did, I think, a 250,000. Um, wow. And then we did a 1 million, a 2 million, a 3 million. Wow. Um, and a four million, I think, was the last one we did. But I think we're probably on five and a half million now. How do you deal with that as a concept? Uh, <laughs> we got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did in our lives. We got absolutely plastered. So is it pressure now just to keep that up? <laughs> I mean, well, we've both stopped cosplaying um, from Harry Potter, so um, <laughs> it didn't feel like pressure, to be honest. Um, it was fun, and that's why we did it. Um, and then it stopped being fun because mm. of the way some of the fandom started reacting. Um, and it just became um, too much. Severus Snape was my comfort character. Yes. I loved cosplaying as Severus Snape. However, after all of the abuse that I got, which was aimed at my Snape cosplay, um, I was unable to feel comfortable in, comfortable in him anymore. <clears throat> the last time I got into Snape um, to film for TikTok, um, I got such anxiety and felt like I needed a drink. And I was like, I shouldn't need to drink to film cosplays. Mm -hmm. So... I haven't filmed him since. Oh, and that was such a shame. January. Is this a character you think you'd feel comfortable in a live setting? Um, probably not anymore because mm. not because of not because of the reactions of the fans, but because of the way JK has hurt so many people within our community. I don't think I would comfortably take Harry Potter characters onto a stage in a in a drag setting understandable tell me about the story time that you used to do on instagram because <laughs> that was one of the first things i saw you do and i was like well this is intriguing <laughs> yeah so being a massive nerd um i love fan fiction 
Um, I love reading it. Um, I have written it. Um, fan fiction, if it's written well, um, can be um, really, it pulls you in. It's brilliant. Um, with things like Harry Potter, I actually prefer the fan fiction to the books. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the time it's written better. The characters are the way you feel they are. Um, with story time, we weren't going for the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> we were going for deliberately terrible fan fiction. And there's so much of it. <laughs> oh, really <laughs> terrible. I mean, we did, we did a couple of chapters of My Immortal a week, um, which for those of your listeners who don't know is like the, it's known as one of the worst fan fictions ever written. It's a Mary Sue, so it's it's clearly um, a self-insert into the Harry Potter universe, except it's not really the Harry Potter universe. It's just one of the worst things I've ever read, and it just made me angry every time I read a few chapters. Um, but then we also, I, I, the fan fictions that I read that weren't Harry Potter on the story time, we read, um, I it was called The Milk Fic. The Milk Fic, I think, is quite a famous, terrible fan fiction. Um, and it's based around, oh, were they Panic at the Disco um, band members? Was it okay. Panic? I don't know. I'm sure it was Panic at the Disco. Um, My um, fan fiction is uh, very entertaining as well. <laughs> always, always erotic. My Chemical Romance fan fiction. Always sexy stuff. Um, I'm having a look now. The milk fic. I, I mean, I will never read it again. <laughs> it was Panic at the Disco. Okay. Um, it was it was a really really erotic um, fan fiction that included a milk enema. Wow. And it was um, yeah, it was a lot. I enjoyed. We did six months of story time um, before I started running out of the really really awful fan fictions. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be really bad, otherwise there's no point, is there really? Mm, absolutely. Um, do you enjoy just being a fan of things? I've talked to Will Power about this because we both just like being fans and like nerdy fans of things. Is that something you've always liked, just being into something really heavily? Yeah, specialist subjects. I, I live for for. If, if I get into something, I really, really get into it. Um, Are you into merch as well, or do you just make stuff? How does it manifest just, itself? It's it's a mixture of both, really, um, depending on what the fandom is. Um, Castlevania, I've gotten massively into Castlevania, and I'm so excited for the new season. Um, this... I, I'm currently sitting in um, Trevor Belmont's face because I finished filming cosplay for Trevor Belmont this morning. Um, for for Castlevania, for me, I I've created every aspect of costumes for Alucard and for Trevor um, because I really wanted to create them myself. Although I could have bought them online, I really wanted the the joy of creating them. Um, it, I, yeah, it completely depends on on the fandom. Um, I didn't make my Star Trek uniform, obviously. Um, that was a gift. Um, yeah, I just I, I think I collect things and make things. Um, but I do. We, my wife and I, have a lot of fandom based art on the walls. Um, right. What are your favourite pieces? Um, I have I have a beautiful print of um, it's Catwoman and Poison Ivy, um, but it's just um, their necks, and one of them's got uh, I think Catwoman's got a hand around Poison Ivy's throat. Nice. Um, it's a stunning, like huge piece. Um, we've got the um, We've got Lord of the Rings maps. Um, Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, we've got some um, handmade Harry Potter art, uh, hand painted or hand printed, that have given no money to JK. Um, 
oh we've got all sorts we have um our our corridor to our front door is our um movie um art wall kind of thing um oh i've got some b movie posters up there as well so right. um the hundred thousand foot woman um and the blob that kind of thing have you ever cosplayed any lord of the rings characters I haven't, no, because I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan. My oh, wife, my wife silly. is a Lord of the Rings fan. Um, I did, I did an elf based around that kind of um, world, but it wasn't Lord of the Rings. Okay. Always good to have an elf look, isn't it? Absolutely. What were your, as a kid, what were the first things that you were really, really into? Um... So I, thinking back, I loved the Castlevania game on Sega. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think I'm showing my age now. Um, so yeah, that plus um, Star Trek. I was always a huge Star Trek fan, which of course gained me a lot of mocking at school. <laughs> I was uh, I was happy and comfortable. I knew what I liked. Um, what series was it? Because I grew up watching the reruns of the 70s one on a Sunday with my dad. <laughs> I don't mind the original series, yeah. but my favourite is Voyager. Okay. I think Voyager was my introduction to actually, you might not be straight. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful woman in charge. Yeah, yeah. With a great old uniform. Mm. So when did you start cosplaying? Um, or what you were called cosplaying that might be quite difficult actually yeah I think for as long as I've done drag I've done some level of cosplay because um, I always did characters I feel more comfortable as a character um, and I mean Baron is a character yeah um, yeah he has a backstory <laughs> tell me more about Baron um, so Baron is the <laughs> He is the love child of Dracula and Spring-Heeled Jack, um, who was a cryptid in the, uh, the 1500s or the 1600s in London, um, who used to basically just appear and slap people and then jump up buildings. Like, I don't know. He was essentially, I think what people are calling him now is like London's 1500s slender man, okay. essentially. Okay. Um, so he's, he's a little bit gothic. Um, the LaVey part obviously comes from, um, Anton LaVey, who is the founder of the Church of Satan, um, who I've always been fascinated with him and Alistair Crowley, just absolutely like I could listen to every, I probably have listened to every podcast ever existing about either of those two, um, and the, the Necronomicon, all of that dark, weird gothic um the, the gothic culture aspect of of the yeah <laughs> i rambled there darkness we're talking dark baron is dark yes, yes definitely <laughs> how did you go about putting him together then what were your first introductions to drag from so did you start doing cosplay first and then get interested in drag from there um no it was the opposite way around. So um, my favourite film when I was three years old was Rocky Horror. Great choice. My mother, yeah, my mother was a huge fan of Rocky Horror. She used to go every year um, when it was touring in full costume. Um, as who? Took, who was your mum? Oh, she went as everyone. Oh, great. Everyone, anyone and everyone. <laughs> um, and when I got old enough, um, she would start taking me with her. But um, that was always, I think, <laughs> I say to my mother quite often, Rocky Horror is the reason that I am the way I am. You allowed me to watch that at the age of three. <laughs> yes. And now, and now <laughs> I cross-dress. Like... <laughs> well, it's quite scary, I guess. Oh, oh I, don't I don't know. know. I don't see it as scary, but I, I don't know if I was small. Maybe to a three-year-old it might have been. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. it ever scaring me. I yeah. just remember being very stricken by the fact that this man was wearing makeup and heels. Um, and growing up, I learned to really adore that aesthetic. Um, 
in anything, I would always, Mrs. Doubtfire, it's a man in, in a wig and makeup. Like it was, for me, that was my introduction to um, playing with gender. Um, and I entered our local drag competition um, in 2007 as a drag queen. Wow. Um, so 14 years ago, I was Helga von Rogmanscher. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and how did that go? Well, bearing in mind 14 years ago, mm. being a drag queen and being a fab was not a thing. Mm. Um, I was aware of maybe three in the world. There were probably more, but again, bearing in mind social media wasn't a huge thing at that point. Yeah. I was aware of three via MySpace. Um, <laughs> so when I entered, I entered without them realizing that I was AFAB. So did it, you turn up in costume for the competition? Yes, yes, I did. Um, I tried not to speak to many people. Mm -hmm. um, and took them until we, the end of week two for them to realize that I was I was AFAB um, at which point they told me that I had to continue the competition as a drag king ah okay because it wasn't acceptable for a woman to be a drag queen um, so I continued the competition kept my name the same continued the competition as a drag king and realized how much I actually really adored being a drag king as well wow <laughs> Yeah, it was a whole thing because <laughs> I was so annoyed to begin with because I was like, this is this is this is just art. It's just art. But... So their bigotry works out. I'm kind of annoyed. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I ended up coming second in the competition, um, nice. which for a drag king, especially at that time, was, um, I think, probably a really good thing. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think even then I was doing characters, but not realizing that it was kind of cosplay and drag mixed. Mm -hmm. um, so you I said was it doing... wasn't until now that you realized about the crossover. What was it that made you realize? Um, I think it was, so it wasn't, it was just before lockdown that I realized actually yeah, that there is a massive crossover here because I did um, an Edward Scissorhands performance. Um, it was January before lockdown. Um, and I suddenly realized that I was using all of the techniques the cosplayers were using to create the costume. I made my gloves from craft foam um, and wire. Um, it was it was a full undertaking um, as essentially a cosplay, um, as, as much of a screen accurate cosplay as I could, but then performing it as a drag artist. Um, and it wasn't until I'd finished on stage that night that I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm a performing cosplaying drag artist. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like yeah. I'd never really considered it. And then I was like, actually, yeah, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do this on TikTok because uh, I'd been following several cosplayers. Um, and I was like, I, I can do this. I, I'm a lip sync artist. Um, I can make things. I can I can play with makeup. Why aren't I doing this? You've been playing around with them. Well, you've been trying out Patreon as well. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed yeah. what's that experience been like because that's a whole different world isn't it yeah I mean we uh, I was looking at it with Ivy initially um as a drag Malfoy thing mm. um but as we started to drop off the Harry Potter fandom I was like should I just look at doing it by myself um because if I'm in costume anyway why aren't I going to try and make a bit more money from it mm -hmm. um it's been really positive to be honest um I haven't got a huge following but it's it's enough to keep me going it's enough yeah. to to pay a bill um or to buy me something nice um and everyone has been incredibly supportive on it um my friends have been supportive 
about me having a Patreon. Um, I've been sending images because I have been doing a bit of not safe for work stuff for the Patreon. Um, so I've been sending those images to my friends saying, do you think this looks okay? Um, <laughs> Is this a new thing for you to try? Yeah, I mean, I'm not modest. Um, I <laughs> do a lot of performances on stage where I get pretty much naked. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't shy away from that because it's um, me controlling the way that my body is perceived. Yeah. Um, I have that control. Um, so it's not something that I'd considered doing, but it's not something that I'm embarrassed of doing um, or something that makes me anxious at all um, and because most of it is in male costume I'm not really showing a huge amount it's just more suggestive than anything else it's lewds not nudes lewds <laughs> what a great term <laughs> um, yeah I've, I've enjoyed it <laughs> I've been lucky to speak to some fantastic kings so far on the podcast but a lot of them have been relatively new um, so I wondered what it was like for you starting out, even in 2007, um, live performing, what, what kind of it was like then and the challenges, because there's so many challenges now. Yeah, I mean, drag was a different creature in 2007. Mm. Um, we were not aware of um, what we are now when it comes to um, being socially aware um I think it's not unfair to say that in 2007 drag was incredibly uh crass and uh, offensive and it wasn't it wasn't an issue then and now when I look back I think I I can't believe some of the things that drag queens were allowed to get away with back then um as a drag king um it was I mean, it's hard now, but it was harder then um, because the, I think the general consensus of drag kings in 2007 and to an extent now um, is that there isn't as much work goes into it. There isn't as much artistry um, because for a very long time, I think the, the idea behind a drag king was the male illusion whereas now I think there is less of that and it's more about playing with gender yeah um yeah. and there I think there is a lot more artistry in it now than there, there ever has been um but I think some people still see it as lesser than than being a drag queen how did you go about establishing yourself back then and getting gigs uh, I struggled, not going to lie. Um, I had a residency um, for a couple of months um, with a drag queen. I think this is how I managed it. I worked as a double act with a drag queen. Okay. Um, and it was probably the only way I actually managed to get work um, because I don't think I would have been given work on my own right, you know? Mm. Um it was yeah it was it was hard um i would perform at like the charity events etc um but getting anything extra would be pretty much a no was this within the newcastle scene or were you yeah, performing in different places yeah? just within the newcastle scene mm -hmm. um i then moved to york I lived in York for a few years um, and dropped the drag completely um, because at the time York had one gay bar. <laughs> uh, I'm not even sure it has that anymore because I know that closed down. Mm. Um, and like there was no gay scene whatsoever. There was one gay night um, in one of the clubs, which wasn't particularly busy. And Gay Pride had, um, York Gay Pride had a, a max of like maybe 250 people turn up. Um, I did host York Gay Pride in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, How was that? Oh, it was, it was weird. I don't really remember much about it, to be honest. It was <laughs> long ago. Um, <laughs> it was quiet. Mm. It was definitely strange. 
Um, and it wasn't until I came back to Newcastle that I picked up the drag again um, and became barren. So what kept you going then if it was if it was this tough? Was it just the love of performing? Yeah, it was the love of performing, the love of um, confusing people, mm. <laughs> mostly. Um, I my one of my biggest aims in drag is to um, confuse straight men, straight women, gay men, and gay women. Like <laughs> I just I just want to confuse a lot. Um, <laughs> And I think that's something that will, I will never lose the joy of that, um, of, of having someone of any gender or any sexuality come to me and say, yeah, I don't know what you are, but I find you attractive. Like that's, there is something really special about that. <laughs> I see. It's all about ego. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, I think there's definitely a, a level of ego in drag. Um, <laughs> and I think it's allowed, definitely. What do you think, like with everything going on now, what have we had in the last few weeks? We've had the little mix controversy mm. and all this nonsense going on. How have you felt about that one? Do you, do you feel like just because you're a king, you have to speak out about these things and kind of have a, I mean, a opinion on it? So when I first saw it, um, I said in a local chat, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um, it's great that they're bringing attention to drag kings, except they haven't booked any. So it's that's not great. Um, and I was essentially shot down. Um, and it wasn't until people like Chio started mm. speaking out on Instagram that everyone else followed suit. And I was like, OK, so it's not just me feeling like this. That's good, because sometimes I worry that I'm overreacting. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think it is great that they've considered even um, doing a, a drag king um, concentrating on on drag kings however they should have booked drag kings there are mm. plenty of us there are plenty incredibly talented drag kings in the uk so many mm. um and if they claim to be allies and they've been such amazing allies in the past i just i find it really disappointing more than anything else yeah um and of course a lot of drag queens don't understand what the problem is but that's because they've booked drag queens they will not understand what the problem is because we are still fighting to get that same, the, the same pay, the same um, adoration, the same um, respect as as drag queens. And then for one of them to be booked to be on RuPaul because of that oh. video. Oh, sweetheart, just book a drag king. <laughs> yeah. Would you want to go on Drag Race? I mean, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, um, I, mm. <laughs> I respect people who have been on Drag Race and I respect people who want to be on Drag Race um, because it's a huge platform. Um, if you want to do that, then that's great. However, for me, um, I, have a, I have an issue with RuPaul more than anything. Um, and his mockery of womanhood yes. and the, the fact that cis women, be they straight or gay, seem to miss this. Um, it's, it's astounding to me that, that they can allow a man to, to push what he believes a woman should be. Yes, yes. Why are we allowing a woman, a man to, to, to claim that a woman needs to be this to be a woman? Like, that's not okay. 100%. I've ruined a couple of friends' Zoom's birthday, Zoom birthday parties getting on my high horse about this <laughs> when everyone thinks they're just, oh, let's have a fun chat about drug race and then I'm the one that then starts saying this but yeah I think we've just let RuPaul take over this huge area of popular culture and dictate to us things that um really should yeah be. I mean we've got we've we've got enough with um advertising um with diet culture we don't need the 
we don't need a drag queen to perpetuate um, unrealistic beauty standards to, to, to women. Totally agree. Um, no, yeah, forget drag race. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you excited about then? Have you got gigs booked for the summer? Are you raring to get out there? What's your plan now? I do. I'm really excited. Mm. Um, I've been booked for Northern Pride, which um, is again online, um, but it's it's a really weird one. Um, it's it's going to be digital. However, um, all of the drag artists that are performing are going to perform on their stage. Great. So we're going a week and a half performing on their stage for no audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to be filmed. And then they're going to edit it together, which is a bit of an anxiety point for me as well, because it means I have no control over what goes out eventually. Mm. Um, but I'm excited to be on a stage again. Um, and I'm excited to to be performing for my, my local Pride again. Do you know um, what you'll be performing yet? Have you got that planned? Yes, yes. I'm doing um, a big piece on um, non-binary and transphobia. Right. Um, That's I've exciting. created some some screen visuals um, that include lots of um, horribly transphobic tweets um, by, of course, people like J.K. Rowling, Katie mm -hmm. Hopkins, etc., um, in which I will smash them with my great big gender bending mallet. Great. <laughs> <laughs> It must be um, nice having the chance to perform on stage again, even if there's no audience there. Yeah, I, I'm looking for, I'm a bit nervous about it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to be surrounded by drag artists that I love and respect from my area as well. So it's going to be great to see some, some faces again. Um, we've also got something booked for the week commencing the 21st of June in a local brewery, which is... Uh, exciting there will be an audience um, so waiting to find out if it's uh 16 plus or family friendly because i don't do family friendly very well but i, if I, need to. <laughs> I was gonna say would you adapt it if you had to yes of course i would um, <laughs> i'm much more comfortable in a in an adult environment but i can do a family friendly friendly performance if i need to um and hopefully by October, things are starting to be a lot more normalised again and we can get Vampus tits going again. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully ready for like a decent Christmas, I think, with good shows. Yes. Who, who do you watch that inspires you, either over lockdown or just throughout your career so far? I mean, I couldn't I couldn't go further than Land Insider, really. Mm. Um Land Insider has been an idol of mine for maybe eight, nine years. Mm. Um, such an iconic drag artist. Um, Hugo Girl um, from New Zealand is yeah. absolutely incredible. Also, um, his costumes are phenomenal, um, androgynous, uh, glamorous, the glamdrogynous thing. Mm. Um, I live for that. Um, Locally, um, I say locally, I mean UK based, um, Adam All, yeah. um, always incredible, really well thought out performances. The Seahorse, just just a genius little performance, mm -hmm. that Seahorse performance. Um, oh, Chio, obviously, um, such an important voice in our community. Um, and I hope at some point I can go down to London and I can see people like Adam Hall and Chio, um, Wesley Dykes and things perform live because I haven't had that opportunity yet. Yeah, I feel the same. I've discovered so many new people because Digital Drag's been so fantastic, but it'd be great to see everyone Absolutely. live, in, including yourself. Um, so where can we find you? Uh, on my Instagram, which is at Baron LeVay Drag, um, on my TikTok, which is at Baron LeVay, uh, my YouTube, I haven't changed the name of my YouTube, so it's still on that rid ridiculously long email uh, website address. But okay. if you search Baron LeVay, it should come up um, pretty much straight away. Um, there's a fair few videos on there, and I recently posted a 
makeup tutorial on there as well. Oh, is this a new thing? Yeah. Well, I posted part one and part two because I've had to split it. But um, what yeah, was that like? Oh, stressful. <laughs> uh, it took a lot more editing than I thought it was going to. Um, but it, it was nice. It's it's fun. It's different. Um, uh, yeah, I, I tend to do my makeup in silence. So talking to a camera whilst putting my face on was weird and awkward. So you wouldn't do an Insta Live where people are getting like a get ready with me? I did it a few times on TikTok, but I don't think they went down very well because I don't really talk much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Either I talk and I get distracted or I don't talk. <laughs> but we can check that out on YouTube now. Is that up? Yes, part one and part two are, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming to chat today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank um, you for having me. Oh, I've, I've loved your digital drag and just your looks are so inspiring and I can't wait to see your performance for, for Pride this year and hopefully live very soon. Oh, fingers crossed. And I'm Thank just, you. I'm really pleased, like, because when, when you sent me the message, I was like, oh, okay, but I don't want to be the token king. And I, I looked through and I was like, oh, I'm not the token king. That's great. You've, had, mm-hmm. you've been so diverse with, with, your, with your interviews um, because it's always a concern when someone asks you to do something as a drag king, that you are going to be the token. Um, no, no. You've been so diverse with with all of your, your castings for your, your podcasts. And I think you deserve a, a big round of applause for that because oh. not a lot of people are being as diverse as you are. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. For me, that's why drag is so fantastic because of its diversity. And I think if you don't, if you just think drag is queens, then you don't understand drag. Absolutely. Um, on that note thanks so much thank you hi again it's carly thanks so much for listening to the show if you want to find out more or get in touch head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com